0: You are listening to the Tech Chef podcast, episode number 3, June 23rd, 2020. Off-premise strategy, business continuity. How about a taste test of restaurant technology? Drive-through or curbside? Mobile apps or AI? It's all on the menu, cooking up for the date. It's a recipe for success. You're in good the Tech Chef. Make a plan to be your best. Strategize with the Tech Chef. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Tech Chef. This is Skip Kimple, your host and your Tech Chef for today. And today we have a very special show. We're going to be talking about technology and marketing and how those two integrate together. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Today, we have Danielle Gazzetta, who is the Senior Vice President of Growth Hacking for Smokey Bones. Welcome, Danielle.
1: Hi, Skip. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Cool it, title, right?
0: It is a very cool title. Actually, that was the first question I was going to ask you. The Senior Vice President of Growth Hacking, what the heck is
1: that? Yeah, well, it's uh, it's kind of a new title to be reckoned with, but uh, we'll talk a little bit more on today's call about some of my roles and initiatives, but uh, basically my goal is to growth hack any new and exciting and cutting-edge opportunities um, for revenue generation really outside the four walls of our restaurant. So kind of fun, open field, creative, and just uh, the sky's the limit.
0: That is interesting. Well, actually, I want to delve into that much more here in a little bit. But let's talk about how we met and the projects that we've worked on together in the past. And and um, you and I go back to Anthony's Coal Fire Pizza. You were the chief marketing officer over there, and you know when I joined the company, you were you, you were flying with your initiatives. And I remember my first day walking into that position. Um, I was introduced to all the new projects that marketing had on their plates, and pretty much my entire time there was spent working on uh, marketing um, aspects of, in, in closely in conjunction with IT. So, you know, I think the first project that was on our plate was the website, and then we had um, online ordering. Gosh, what, what else did we had? We had... Um,
1: oh, delivery, uh, off-premise delivery, third-party uh, delivery. Uh, Patronics, our loyalty program. I mean, none of this would have been possible without you. And 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 uh, yes, let me just say the best single day of my life at Anthony's Coal Fire Pizza was the day that you joined the organization, because prior to that, not only were our systems completely antiquated, which is, is not against Anthony's Coal Fire Pizza. This this brand, Anthony grew from a little seed in the ground. It exploded overnight. Um, and we just didn't have the technology and the infrastructure to keep up with the growth, but we had no access to data. Right, So as you know, as a marketing, that is a girl's best friend. And so you were really able to come in and partner with me on programs and initiatives that I would have never been able to get off the ground without the insight and really your, technolo- your technology visionary. Um, to be able to not only speak the language, understand what was needed, but really come down to the, you know, I say come down to the marketing level because I speak very basic, and you and I just were able to go back and forth, and you had such a great understanding of what needed to happen in order for me to execute on the marketing programs. So prior to your entrance, I mean, one, I had no visibility on data, which you're really just, you know, it's a crapshoot. You you throw enough stuff against the wall, something's going to stick. Not a great way to do marketing. And B, we just didn't have the platforms in place to be able to execute on some of these amazing programs. You know, like you said, the website, loyalty, um, you know, off-premise. I know off-premise, which really, i got to be honest with you, um, our partnership in 2008, I mean, we were tasked in a very short period of time of getting third party delivery right off the ground. This was, people were just starting to dip their toe in the water. And I think we saw there was potential there. And we went full force in and we rolled this out, like, I don't know, 30, 60 days. And I think uh, year one, we added 12 12 million to the top line. I mean, we could have never done that um, without the technology that you brought and the insight and knowledge that you brought to the organization.
0: Well, I I appreciate that. Gosh, I should have you be my agent at this point. But uh, (laughs) no, that was a combined effort. You know, I'm. Part of IT is is executing initiatives out there, but also driving revenue through IT initiatives. And, you know, like you said, third-party delivery at that point was, it's not that it was brand new, but it was up and coming. And, you know, we took the bull by the horns and we drove with it. And going back to your statement about not having data, if you remember right, about the time I entered that company, uh, we had been purchased by an equity company and Equity companies obviously make their decisions based upon data, not upon gut instinct or, you know, trends or anything like that. They're, they're all about data. So I think, you know, between what you're doing and, and kind of my ideas coming into that company, we were there like the, the perfect storm to create uh, a, a great scenario for that, uh, for that equity company to be able to make decisions and you be able to drive your marketing department and provide KPIs that you hadn't been able to do before.
1: Absolutely, 150%. Like I said, prior to that, we were just kind of going blindly and doing things and hoping that they worked and just couldn't really measure anything, couldn't really track anything, couldn't... Couldn't report back on the return on investment, and, and clearly, when a private equity um, walks in, they, they they want to drive the business on numbers. And so, we were quickly able to be, you know, to do that uh, once you join the organization because you just brought a whole level of sophistication to the data, data that I can understand, a marketing person can understand, and then look at and make some good decisions on how to spend dollar. I mean, years ago, um, you know, spending the dollar was just You know, hey, let's just spend a dollar. Now, I don't spend a dollar without knowing I'm going to make at least three, four, five, six, or ten-time return, right? But it's that data and it's the insight into the systems that you and others in this industry bring to the table that allow marketers like myself to be able to do that.
0: Well, thank you. And, uh, yeah, I agree. Um, Everything that we did was really... It, a lot of it was actually very cutting edge at the time, and cer- it certainly it is a partnership in action i I think that's very important you know my um my listening base here is restaurant technologists that are looking to grow um you know in the industry and and strategize a little bit more and I think that's one of the biggest takeaways I can provide here is really involving um not only your entire i t team but other operational aspects you know, from marketing to operations to accounting, every aspect brings something to the solution. And I I think it's important to really um, collaborate and come to the table and and come up with an entire solution. Because I've seen too many times where decisions are made in isolation, especially from the the top down. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I just mentioned the operational piece, but um, you know, or the corporate piece. But when you need to get down to the store level as well, to really understand what the store needs. And I'm sure from a, a marketing perspective, you experience that as well. I'm, sh- I'm sure you reach out to the stores and go, what is best for your store to promote you and, and bring in the most income?
1: Of course. Cause you know, listen, our operators are the boots on the ground. There's our, they are our eyes and ears. I can't sit up in an Ivy tower and build some kind of program and hope to God that's going to work. We need their insight. We need their input, and we need their buy-in. I think the the key shift in restaurants that has changed in the last few years is operations. Always has seemed to be the heartbeat of any restaurant, right? Let's be real. It's all about the food. It's about the customer service. It's it's about. I mean, if that's not beating and the strongest unit, nothing else is going to work. However, I will say quickly. Technology has stepped in to be that heartbeat or that second heartbeat. Because no longer can you do ops. Can you do marketing? Can you do some of the loyalty? Can you do these, uh, you know, e-commerce platforms without the technology? So now they really go hand in hand. And so my first foray with with that was really working at Anthony's Cool Fire Pizza. I was literally attached at the hip to you. And I was tapped to hip to our COO because those three together—the ops, the marketing, and the technology—really are the perfect three-stool chair that makes things work. You know, if you start to really look at it, and those three funnels was really what drove our sales. You can't do one without the other, basically, is what I'm trying to say. And as we get more sophisticated and technology, you know, years ago, operations was driving restaurants. Now, I truly do believe technology is driving operation uh, is driving restaurants and operations. So it all kind of goes hand in hand.
0: Yeah, it's kind of funny because as I look at the history of restaurant technology, Technology in restaurants, gosh, it was an afterthought for so long, but I would have to say five years ago, it's probably at the mark, maybe six, seven years ago at at the most, really was at the point where it started to drive initiatives within an organization and it started making a difference. It was no longer something... That a company could ignore, and I think mm-hmm. um, I'm, you know, obviously I go to all these conferences, and I'm seeing the technology out there right now, and there are so many futuristic things, and you know, I could, I will be talking about them in the show, and while they may seem futuristic, they are really laying the groundwork for what's coming ahead, and quite honestly, most of them are marketing related, so I'm kind mm-hmm. of excited about that, and because I, I see your landscape especially really. You know, going crazy over the next couple of years with new, cool things, basically, what it comes down to is meeting the needs of the guest in regards to how they want to interact with your restaurant, how they want to pay with your restaurant to, uh, or pay their their check with your restaurant. but everything is guest related and guest centric.
1: Everything. Guest-centric. I mean, look, we, we saw this trend coming in various sectors, i.e. Amazon. You know, people want, guests want, customers want what they want, where they want it, how they want it, and when they want it. And it was just really a matter of time of that trend, which is no longer a trend, kind of catching up to the restaurant sector, right? And it's here. You know, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about, you know, what's on the horizon with food lockers and the likes, but it is here. You know, one of the pillars that we set, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about my role at Smoky Bones and transition over, but one of the pillars that we set for 2020 was Smokey Smoky Bones Anytime, Anywhere, period, end of discussion. So, I mean, that opens up a whole landscape of opportunities for us. Um, and when you, when you use that as your, as your North Star, um, a lot of different creative scrappy ideas come into play. And I'm sure we'll, we'll talk a little bit about some of those.
0: Absolutely. But yeah, I think what I'm most concerned about is what is the weirdest thing you ever ate?
1: Oh dear. The weirdest <laughs> <thing> <laughs> I, know, I know you're
0: very particular about what you eat. I so do. I'm very curious.
1: Oh God, this is on the spot question. Um, And it's really not going to be exciting because I I, I think it was goose. And that's really not (laughs) even You're too funny. Maybe rattlesnake. And I know that's really boring. Hold on. Rattlesnake? (laughs) Are you joking? Are you
0: kidding with me right
1: now? I had a bite of rattlesnake once. I did. Okay. I had a bite of rattlesnake one time. And it was probably the most dangerous thing I've ever done.
0: <laughs> that is pretty impressive. That is definitely something I didn't know about you. And are you sure it was rattlesnake or somebody just gave you a piece of chicken and said, well, it tastes like chicken?
1: Listen, you know me, Skip. Anybody can fool me anytime. So I, I, I could have been duped. Don't take me to heart on that.
0: <laughs> You're too funny. Well, I could tell, have me, been duped. Tell, tell us something else that about Danielle. That, for instance, I don't know. I want to hear something unique that um, you haven't exposed to me before.
1: Well, unique that I haven't exposed. I box. I box. I train with. Yeah, yeah, I do. You would think I'd be in much better shape by now. But um, I, I love boxing. I love boxing. It's, it's, uh, and I, I do train, um, with an MM, an M- MMA M- 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 fighter. He, he trains MMA fighters and he was an MMA train, trainer himself, fighter himself. And, um, we train a couple times a week. Don't get me wrong. I have no interest in being a, a fighter or a boxer, but, you know, I don't know. I just feel, I feel like a rock star for 60 minutes when I'm in this training class, me and him, sparring on and on. And then, you know, I, I, I come home and I can barely open a fruit snack wrapper for my kids, you know. <laughs> well,
0: but- <laughs> I'm, I'm still not going to mess with you from now on. Whatever you say goes. Sorry. Simple as that.
1: Uh, I love it. It's probably one thing you didn't know about me. I <laughs>
0: no, Definitely did not know that about you. Thank yeah. you for sharing. <laughs> Are, you had mentioned a couple of things just a few minutes ago, getting back into the, uh, to the uh, topic of this show. And that's uh, really, your transition into Smoky Bones, and you brought up an interesting point about the food lockers, which is a very hot topic. It's it's a subject that I had, had attended on uh, approaching in a future show. So let's first of all talk about uh, your shift in your new position at Smoky Bones from Anthony's, and then let's Great. let's talk. Um, let's head off the conversation about technology in the food locker
1: aspect. Okay, super. Uh, so, you know, obviously, when I when I saw what you and I could do um, with third party, um, you know, $12 million to the top line annually, and this was us just kind of dipping our toe in the water, I started thinking about, you know, there is really a basic shift going on in, in the restaurant world, and that was, you know, we talked about, you know, food, when they want it, where they want it, how they want it. And I think third party delivery was only a small piece of that. Um, Smokey Bones reached out to me in January of 2019 to really come on board, how Uh, I think they were hoping that I came on board more with my marketing skills. And I had done marketing for 30 years, and I loved it, and it is just a great place to be. But I saw a little bit of a niche, which was using my marketing expertise but really focusing and concentrating on revenue streams outside of the four walls. What third-party showed us is that people – do want to go out and dine in and a lot of people think they are um, a different guest than third party people but it's really the same guest who really wants to eat, dine-in when they want dine-in and take-out when they want take-out and third-party delivery when they want third-party delivery. And I saw that being a whole nother realm and I thought there's a niche here and I want to expand upon it. And so when I came over to Smokey Bones in January of 2019 the first thing I did do was deploy them across all of um, the third-party platforms. They had not been um, in the delivery um, arena. So we took them live with DoorDash, GrubHub, Uber Eats, as well as EasyCater and that. Took with me about my first six months, got them up and running, you know, started working on partnerships with these guys and marketing, um, and that was up and cranking and phenomenal. And then I started to see other plays like food lockers, like virtual restaurants, like ghost kitchens. So once we had the partnership established with our third parties, our next foray um, was into virtual restaurants. And what I learned um, was that, you know, Uber, believe it or not, was the first really to market with Uber Eats over the other players, only because they had been doing Uber driving, right? And so I started to have some conversation with with Uber Eats, and I realized they were sitting on a mound of data, this ton of data that they had been collecting. And what came to insight was that um, there was a lot of searches going on across the country for culinary items where the need was not being met. So I partnered with Uber Eats, and we started doing an overlay on our 60 locations to see what, what guests, in the area we're searching for and we learned very quickly that two items that guests were searching for that we, we just couldn't get delivered enough of from various people were burgers and wings now we're known for barbecue right so i think i would hope when people think about barbecue they think smoky bones or ribs or brisket or pulled pork they think smoky bones
0: or we do a
1: <laughs> right, of course, of course.
0: <laughs> Got to throw the plug like in there. there, come on.
1: Got to throw a plug, they do, I listen, their brisket is, puts me weak in the knees, you know that. But um, what we what we learned quickly was that, hey, you know what, we are barbecue, but we do great burgers and we do great wings. And we weren't top of mind to folks. That we're thinking that you know you're thinking burger wings you're you're not thinking you're not really probably thinking smoky smoky bones, so what we did was we created two brands the burger experience and the wing experience these were two virtual restaurants basically um, a virtual restaurant as you know is a concept under the parent brand that operates out of their existing brick and mortar. Primarily delivery, but under another brand. So we actually developed a different logo, different packaging, um, different messaging for both the burger experience and the wing experience. We operated that out of Smokey Bones, and we deployed a total of 30 virtual restaurants in Q3 of 2019, 15 wing and 15 burger. So now think about it. you're You've got a brick and mortar you're spending the same amount of money on your, you know, your rent, your electricity, your staff, et cetera. But now you've got two to three brands instead of one functioning out of there. And so what we just now did with those two additional brands at 30 locations is we opened up an additional revenue stream without spending any more money, right? So, we thought, wow, this is great. You know, this is this is fabulous. This is great. And we, we kept them, and we're running them, and we're moving and shaking. And then the idea came in, well, what about markets that we, you know, don't have brick and mortars in? Let's say Texas. Let's say, you know, downtown Chicago. To get a brick and mortar, for us to build a brick and mortar and and, and afford space in a market like downtown Chicago is astronomical, Right. Texas, astronomical to open a brick and mortar. I mean, some of our some of our footprints are anywhere from six to eight thousand square feet. Well, what about testing our product in a market like that to make sure people like it before we even think about opening a brick and mortar? This was kind of our mindset at sure. the end of 2019. So we started to investigate ghost kitchens. Um, a ghost kitchen is very different than a virtual restaurant. A ghost kitchen is more of a Hall or commissary area that is shared space by anywhere from ten to twelve different brands and um, basically you. Um, provide food, delivery only, out of that facility, not out of your brick-and-mortar location. So we started to look at um, Kitchen United, Cloud Kitchen, a number of different um, opportunities, and we did decide for our first ghost kitchen to open up with Kitchen United in Chicago, and that's just because they had the right space for us at the right time. So during COVID, when people were just shutting down and closing up. We actually opened another, we opened our first ghost kitchen in in downtown Chicago. I
0: saw that. Um, That hit all the news feeds at the time when you launched that.
1: It, thank you. Yes, it was, a, it was a big step because here's people, you know, pulling back and cutting back, and we were very bullish. And we said, no, we think there is something here. And, you know, I, can, I can't cite numbers, but looking at some of the numbers that our competitors were doing, they were spiking upwards of 80% in a ghost kitchen um, during covid right because people wanted their food, you know, contained, delivered. They didn't want to dine in, they didn't want to go out. And so I saw this trend coming even before COVID, and now that we're starting to come through COVID, people are thinking, restaurants are thinking, why do I want to spend millions of dollars to open a brick and mortar when I can go into say a ghost kitchen or open a virtual brand? For near to nothing, and do quite a bit of revenue.
0: Right. I mean, what you what you guys put in place, you particular put in place was this strategy. I I, I can't think of a most more perfectly timed uh, concept because obviously you guys were working on this months before, or maybe a year before. Who knows? Uh, COVID hit, but uh, you had already had this stuff in place. And anything off premise obviously is the hottest thing out there. And it's it's my prediction that you know, I'm I'm seeing too many reports, uh, you know, from the NRA and um, other restaurant organizations that are saying that, you know, 75% of, you know, mom and pop operations aren't going to survive. Mm. And I truly believe it's the companies and the organizations that had had an off-premise strategy in place prior to COVID. Those are the, to be the ones that survive. And those are going to be the ones that really are profitable. I think Gosh, I, Wingstop has done phenomenal during COVID. Um, yes, Popeyes, they have. Popeye's, they're saying now is the, the COVID-proof brand. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, once again, it's all an all-and-off-premise strategy. Obviously, those two, well, at least Popeye's had their drive-through strategy in place. But Wingstop, with their whole um, digital strategy, obviously, that really set them up for success.
1: You you just basically nailed it. I, I think, one, um, I can't take all the credit. We were in the right place at the right time. I'm so thankful that we had a CEO and a CFO who, who really had the faith and the vision that to take a chance on off-premise, because you remember, you're going back, you know, March, April, May, when, you know, this, these VRs and, and Ghost Kitchens and all this stuff was a little risky. But they had they had the faith, they had the vision, they, they committed to a strategy, a committed person at, at the, you know, executive level, a committed budget. So they saw, and they doubled down on that, and we were just in the right place at the right time to be able to do a lot of the heavy lifting in 2019 with that and get our third-party partners in play and move on to some of these other initiatives that we started late in the year so that when COVID did hit, we were so lucky that we were literally able to turn on a dime. Um, Because we had some of these things in the pipeline and mostly because we had established some very solid partnerships with our third parties, we literally were able to convert 60 restaurants in a week from dine-in to, to take out and, and delivery. So we were very blessed, but again, a lot of that is luck, um, and a lot of that is commitment from the executive team to recognize that third-party, and I shouldn't say third-party, off-premise is not just your on-premise in a different light. It's a whole different strategy. And so luckily both the CEO and the CFO had the vision to recognize that and to have faith in that and let, let us run with it.
0: Yeah, that, that's absolutely fantastic. And once again, you, you touched upon your your strategy uh, with virtual kitchens and ghost kitchens. But um, let's talk about right now. You had mentioned earlier, and I want to bring bring this back around uh, the food lockers because that yes. that definitely piques my interest. And I'd love to hear your thought process on that.
1: Yes. So food lockers, I think, are going to be. They're here. They're starting to come. I believe they are the next big thing. Look, COVID. COVID solidified off-premise, whether it's delivery or pickup, um, for safety reasons. Coming off of COVID, people are so used to convenience. So many people just don't want to get in a line, swipe their credit card, uh, get the bag handed to them. No, you missed this, you missed that. That food lockers, we are just now starting to test food lockers. We are in conversations with two different companies on food lockers. And the technology that goes along with food lockers is mind-boggling. So I am learning more and more about them. I am by no way an expert, but there are some brands that are already think of um, think of the Amazon lockers, where you might have a product that was dropped there by Amazon a day or so prior. Then what happens is you get a notification push to your phone that your item is in your locker with a um, code, a security code, to access blocker. Prior to you being able to access that locker, you pay online, you go to your locker, you put your code in, and you take your product. This is what food lockers are now replicating um, in the restaurant. You will see the technology is mind-blowing. So it's a simple locker setup. They have lockers that keep food you know, hot. If you have food, Hot food lockers that keep food cold, lockers that keep food room temperature, um, and they're all just kind of differently proportioned. Um, most of the lockers you can rent. The um, there's a couple that make you buy. Uh, we would be more interested in the rental because, of course, this is something we would want to test. But what makes the lockers work is the technology, right? Because it's contact t- contact less pickup. Guest calls uh, Smokey Bones, places their order, or does it online. They don't even have to make a phone call. The kitchen preps the food. Kitchen puts the food in the locker, pushes a text to the guest. Your order is ready. Here is your locker code. Takes payment. Person goes in, puts their code in, leaves. They don't even, they don't even come in contact with anybody. And
0: you have just and described I, the most, and I apologize for interrupting you, but you have just um, described the most profitable piece of the restaurant business that there is. Somebody who places an order online comes in, picks up. There's no labor involved in regards to interacting with the guest. It is a simple, easy sale.
1: Absolutely. Can you imagine? Everybody's happy. We cut down on labor. Guests feel safe and secure from a standpoint of, you know, health and safety Guests don't have to wait in line, deal with fumbling with park their car and you know there's going to be a, a a special parking where you come in, you park, you go, you get your stuff and you go back out. Don't have to talk to anyone. You know, we're we're not that talking with people. We don't want to lose that, but there's certain things you just want to be able to get in and get out on, right? And so this is one of them. And so I believe this is going to be cutting edge for for 2020 coming off of COVID. I, and so
0: yeah, I couldn't agree yeah. with you more. And I, I really think this is a trend that is. I, you and I are very similar because I think we're both visionaries. And <laughs> a lot of times, I'll I will talk about something, I'll pitch something, and everybody's like, "Yeah, whatever. That sounds great. That's you know, pie in the sky kind of concept, but." I truly see this as being part of the future as you, as do you, um, you know, the first time I experienced anything like the food locker was at a little Caesars pizza. And I only went to a little Caesars pizza because I wanted to see what the food locker experience was like. (laughs) Um, and after that experience, this goes back to when I was at Anthony's after that experience, I was thinking about, you know, okay, how can we integrate this easily? And at that point in time, I had hunted down companies that could, that could facilitate facilitate the technology behind that. And I did mm-hmm. find an online ordering company called To Go Technologies. We ended mm-hmm. up implementing them at um, Anthony's Coal Fire Pizza. And I remember we, the name. Yes. And we're actually implementing them now at Four Rivers. But one of the key aspects is in their back pocket, they've got this integration with a food locker company. So when the guest mm-hmm. receives their order, they get a barcode on their, on their phone, um, either via text or via their regular email. When they walk in, There's a little barcode scanner on the front of the food locker. They scan it and the proper locker pops open. They don't even have to enter anything. So once again, it's a truly touchless situation, which I think is another aspect with the COVID-19 experience that we're in right now.
1: Absolutely. You are 100% correct. Absolutely. And I think, you know, as, as food lockers go, people are going to jump on this bandwagon and figure, even, figure it out even further. And I mean, how cool is that, right? And like we talked about, it's not the lockers. It's the technology, right, Um, being able to communicate with that guest on their phone without having to call and get involved and do a a face-to-face. But I I think this is absolutely huge, not only in the restaurant industry, but I think we're going to continue to see this at pharmacies. You know, you got to go into a pharmacy, you're sick, you're standing in line for 10, 20 minutes with people coughing and pick up their medication. But I just see these lockers as the wave of the future. You walk into pharmacy, you put, you get your, you get your locker, you get your medicine, boom, you're out. You know why the need to stand in line with other people who are ill, time consuming, right?
0: Completely agree. And Danielle, I hate to do this to you, but Uh, We got to cut it short, but this gives me the opportunity. This is nothing more than a tease for the future because I want to bring you back on the show. I think our listeners are going to love to hear what you're talking about because it is it is so fascinating. You know, there's a very blurred gray line between IT and marketing and that experience only continues to grow and I think there is so much more to talk about. I mean, I'm looking at the list of questions I wanted to ask you today, and we have near made it through a quarter of them. So promise me you'll come back on the show.
1: I absolutely would love to, and I couldn't agree more with the analysis. We we were the dynamic duo. You were the dynamic. I was just the <laughs> du- duo. Um, you were the true visionary, but... Um, together, we, we really were able to move mountains. And so I would love to continue this conversation. So thank you for having me today.
0: Great. Thank you so much. And, uh, hopefully you, um, you're able to, uh, I mean, we just had a great talk today. I mean, it's you and me just talking, having a good time.
1: Absolutely. Love it. Uh, love, Love it. Let's do it again soon.
0: Love catching up with you once again. Thank you so much, Danielle. Well, that concludes today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We definitely need to get Danielle back on the show because I know her and I have a lot more to talk about and I know it would be of great interest to you. If any of you have any questions about this show or any of the other shows, you can reach out to me either on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you are, I should be there as well. And also, if you'd like to leave a comment, you can do so on our comment hotline at 954-302-0851. Just leave a message. We'll play it here on the show. And we've already got a couple messages coming in that we'll play in future episodes. But uh, thank you all of you that have done that for me. Also, I have another favor to ask, and I'm gonna bribe you a little bit because we are running a contest until the end of this month where if you go onto our iTunes podcast page and you look up The Tech Chef, if you leave a comment there or you um, leave a review, uh, you will be put in uh, for a drawing for a Amazon gift card at the end of the month. So, Hurry up. I know we're halfway through the month. or We're almost at the end of the month, quite honestly. I can't believe June is almost gone, but it is. So hurry up, get over there, and leave that review. Next week, we are going to start a multi-part series on contactless delivery. This has been a huge request out there and a very hot topic. So it's going to be probably three or four episodes long. A lot of great uh, information and a lot of great talk with some other vendors out there that have come up with solutions that I'd like to share with you and uh, have you explore what they do and how they approach the particular problem. Once again, thanks again for joining. And until next time, stay hungry, my friends.